0: The following program has been pre-recorded. Thanks for tuning in this weekend to Let's Talk Portland, Odyssey Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. On the show this time, I'd like to welcome Virginia Borden. Virginia is the president of On-Call Community Rescue for Animals, or Virginia, as you guys call it, okra. Welcome to Let's Talk Portland.
1: Thanks, Gary. Thanks for
0: having us back. Sure, yeah. I had you guys on about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago.
1: Oh gosh, has it been that long? Yeah, yeah, that was great. We really appreciate the invite back. It was uh, it was awesome to chat with you last time.
0: So let's tell our audience a refresher maybe on what on-call community rescue for animals is. What do you guys do?
1: So uh, kind of our mission, uh, I'll sort of par it down, uh, but we do emergency transport uh, for animals in emergencies. So that means a lot of different things, but the majority of what we do, as far well as uh, as far as our volunteer side, is capture and transport of injured wildlife to licensed uh, rehabbers and things like that.
0: Is it always wildlife, or do you do, or is it just animals in general?
1: It's a, it's animals in general. We also do a lot of farm animal rehoming transports, um, and we also work with domestics uh, in regards to our Multnomah County contract. Um so it's fifteen hours a night. We do transports for domestics, like injured strays, uh, law enforcement related calls, uh, and things like that. So that's more the contract side of OCRA. And then the volunteers are doing the farm animals and the wildlife department.
0: What kind of situations are you rescuing animals in?
1: Uh, so, as far as wildlife, uh, we get a lot of calls that come in either from members of the community or from Portland Audubon or uh, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. And it's uh, a lot of times it's maybe an injured raptor uh, or uh, an animal trapped and snared in something, and they need some help with folks that have uh, safety gear. Um, a lot of times it's a larger animal that uh, a good Samaritan might not feel comfortable handling, which we really appreciate because they are dangerous and can be aggressive Um, or maybe it's someone with a smaller animal that just has no means of transportation and they really need to get it to uh, let's say Audubon or Fish and Wildlife Office Um, so we just kind of help with that transport part so it's just we have a slogan we call it safe rides for second chances so we have a group of volunteers that come out Um, And, you know, we have the gloves and the face shields and things like that, and they drive those animals in their personal vehicles to a licensed rehabilitator. Um, And then at night when it's domestics, it's a similar situation. We're just getting called out through uh, 911 dispatch um, or Good Samaritans that have found an injured stray or something like that.
0: Um, how dangerous can these situations be? I I would imagine a wild animal in general can be a little unpredictable. And if they're injured and maybe in a precarious situation, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, very much. So it usually takes, uh, we like to send at least two volunteers. For example, last week we had a great horned owl that was trapped in poultry netting. Um, and so it took two people at least someone to safely hold the animal while the other person cut it out of the netting. Um, another example we go to we've had several great blue herons um and they call it the weapon right that a heron has a weapon on its face it's basically a long knife and it can really hurt you severely uh and so we have face shields and we have several people and we just we have basic training on how to handle these animals um and we don't send someone out who hasn't done it before or who's not comfortable handling alone Um, or picture, you know, an injured bald eagle um, or raccoons. I mean, all kinds of animals, especially when they're injured or scared or in a precarious situation are going to be aggressive. And when they are aggressive, that that's usually a good sign if they still have a lot of fight left. Um, It's when they're not um, that their chances are lower. You know, when they're uh, usually when an animal so far that they'll let you just easily pick it up, it's not a great sign. That's a good Um, point. Means they're in a pretty bad way. Yeah.
0: Once you rescue these animals, what do you do with them? Where do you take them? Especially the wild, the wildlife animals.
1: Yeah. So, okra. We all of our volunteers are sub permittees with the state. So it took us about eight years to get permissions with the state to do these capture and transports um, because we have to follow state laws and regulations, and we have to take these animals to licensed. Uh, facilities or rehabilitators. So that that pars it down to a pretty small amount. We do uh we cover the North Willamette watershed district um and that's six different counties, but within that there's only a certain amount of rehabilitators that we can take to. So there's the American Wildlife Foundation, Portland Audubon, uh, or the Department of Fish and Wildlife offices. Um so it's not a lot of options. Um but You know, those places, Portland Audubon takes a lot of animals and uh, they're open every single day. Um, And then after hours, there is the option um, when it's a severe issue or an animal, it it needs urgent help. Uh, Dove Lewis, which is an emergency animal hospital in northwest Portland, they have a a stray and injured wildlife program. So sometimes they will take injured wildlife and uh, stabilize them and get them... uh, Okay, overnight, and if they are candidates for rehab, they go to Audubon usually the following day. Uh, we don't like to abuse that uh, because they are so busy, but they but they it is a legal place. We can take them um, after hours. Um, when we do go after hours, it's usually for those extreme situations where um, a good Samaritan cannot hold an animal overnight, or it's an animal that's um, like we had a, a raccoon that was pinned in a tree. Um, And that was just stuck there and and in a public place and it needed help pretty urgently. Um, And that's when they call us when, uh, you know, Oregon State Patrol or Fish and Wildlife is not available. We are not the first choice. We are just down the list when those other official agencies aren't available. And when we are approved to do it, we have a letter of agreement that we stick to uh, with Fish and Wildlife. So... We do have restrictions, but there there aren't really any other agencies like us that exist. So we are helping where we can.
0: Yeah, we're talking today with Virginia Borden, president of On Call Community Rescue for Animals. Virginia, how did how did you get this started? What tell us tell us the history of Okra?
1: Sure. Um. So I it's been uh, probably around nine years. Um. When I started had having the idea about Okra, I worked for Portland nine hundred and one uh, for about 11 years. And we would get a ton of calls for, uh, good Samaritans with an injured animal and could not transport that animal or didn't know where to take it. Um, and there was just this gap in services. And so I had an idea and it's changed a lot. the evolution of Oprah's mission, um, has changed because there's, there, there's a lot of legal red tape and and uh, issues with volunteers handling um, animals, it's the insurance, that part alone was very difficult to, to find a, a, a place um, with an insurance company that would approve, you know, those kinds of activities for an organization. Um, and so, and, and just earning the respect and the rapport and the trust of the state agencies, because it is scary and humans do scary things or put themselves in danger to help an animal. Um, I was on the phone with people at 9 one when they would get hurt trying to help an animal or go out into traffic. So um, what I did uh, about nine years ago is I applied for a city grant uh, to start OCRA. And we did get a city grant, got some equipment and uniforms, and um, that's that's what sort of started the path. Um, and then over the last nine years, we've just adjusted it, and um, we're finally at a really great place where we have these existing agreements and we are doing more and more and we're getting daily calls. And so uh, we're really we're really getting busier, but that means that we need more volunteers and um, so it's exciting, but we're like, wow, this is working. we need help. Yeah, um, yeah we've got about 30 30 volunteers, maybe 15 really active um, because so many of our calls come in during the day on a weekday at noon. Um, And so finding people that have that kind of availability um, and our calls sometimes take three hours because you're driving an hour. Like I said, we cover six counties. So you might be driving over an hour just to get to the animal, uh, getting it captured um, and then driving it to let's say Portland Audubon. So it's a lot of of time and driving. um, So it's not for everyone, um, but, there's a lot of people out there that like animals. So we we are getting more applicants for volunteers and we're hoping to continue to get more. Correct so hopefully me. you can help with that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> we'll talk about volunteers and how people can do that in just a sec, but I want to ask you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you go and do rescues yourself, right?
1: I do. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I do probably, I mean, this was all my idea, right? So I yeah. definitely need to be involved. Um, but I love that part of it. I love the volunteer side of of Okra. I am one of the contractors at night with the county, um, so I'm out at night a lot with the domestic calls. But my favorite thing, and and my heart's really attached to um, the the wildlife camp of Okra. Um, I love all animals, um, but it's just fascinating to to get to be. It's humbling to be that close to, let's say, a raptor, um, and I also feel bad. They're scared of us. This is not a good experience for that animal. But to be able to be a part of that, um, getting it to help, um, it it feels good. And it's, it, we see a lot of hard, sad stuff. And all we do, anyone in rescue um, understands that. So it's just sort of a bright spot, to, especially when we hear uh, if one of those animals was released. Just last month, two of the owls that we had transported were released. We don't get a lot of the updates on our passengers, but uh, every now and then we'll hear, oh, those two had been released. So that that always keeps us going, makes us feel good that we're, we are helping. We are, um, there is a means to this mission.
0: Oh. We're talking with Virginia Borden with On-Call Community Rescue for Animals. How can people volunteer and what sort of requirements are there?
1: Sure. So you can apply on our website, uh, which is occra, uh, com. Um, and we are we are upgrading our website at the time, but it it is it will stay active during all of that. And you can just click on the how to how to get involved and apply as a volunteer. You can also directly message us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, we check all those things. So um, the requirements are: I mean, you have to pass a background check. You have to have your own vehicle um, that has air conditioning or heat available at all times for those transports. And um, you have to basically uh, sign a waiver uh, that says you understand all of the agreements we have with the state. We have kind of a joke uh, expression with our organization. We say no stealing animals, right? We don't steal fledglings or, or uh baby mammals that are intentionally left there and we don't take them home and we don't bring them to secret rehabbers that uh we don't break our agreements with the state Um, because as soon as we do that we're done right so everyone signs a waiver saying they understand the rules um, and they get uh, raptor gloves and face shields and uniform items and um, we just have some online training uh, that everyone's required to to watch as far as safety and handling. And then we do uh, one to two hands-on training a year. Um, and so we really encourage people to do that as well, but they also learn in the field on scene with other volunteers. Uh, so it's as long as you can drive and have a car and you make safe choices, we could probably use you. So please reach out uh, you have to be 18 as well. That's important. Okay.
0: Yeah. To give out the website one more time.
1: Sure, it's O C C R A P D X like Papa David X
0: I was looking through your oh, website.
1: Excuse me, it's org, isn't it? Is it.org? It's 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 org. I apologize, Gary. It's o pdx.org.
0: Excellent. <laughs> Sorry
1: was, about that. Well, that's
0: okay. I was just looking at your website just before we started this interview and one of the pages shows a list of all the different types of animals you've rescued and how many of those types you've rescued. It's crazy.
1: Tell us about, tell us about
0: some of the more strange ones. Wow.
1: Yeah, we get some weird calls. Um, And I think last time we talked, I mentioned another group I'm on called O-Star, which is a tech rescue team with the Oregon Humane Society. And uh, every now and then we'll get calls that sort of involve both teams, but uh, O-Star uh, does tech rescue, which any kind of rope rescue or confined space. And every now and then we'll get some weird calls that involve wildlife and in sort of precarious situations like that. And if Fish and Wildlife gives us the okay, um, we'll go check it out. So, um you know, we had a skunk trapped in um, basically like an old um, sprinkler line um, at a school. And we got a call from Clackamas uh, law enforcement um, at night. Um, so we, Went and checked that out and ha- it basically was stuck in a bioswale where it couldn't climb out. So we just left it a little ramp and that was it. And it crawled out the next morning. Um, but we get, I'm trying to think of the weirdest animal. Uh, we had a coot the other day. Uh, Fish and Wildlife asked us to help transport it. And I'd never seen a coot. It's a waterfowl. It's a its a black bird with a little kind of white beak and and i've heard of them but i i don't think i'd ever seen one in person so that was that was kind of (laughs) cool
0: what's the biggest rescue you guys have done
1: oh um as far as size wise probably the biggest we have are eagles um we had a uh injured bald eagle that had collided uh we don't know if it happened while they were you know they mate in the air and so both had collided and one had been able to fly away but one had an injured wing and it was in in portland in town and probably the biggest you know it looked like the size of a golden eagle um you know it was standing up and as tall as my waist and wow it's intimidating um and it was still still really feisty uh which is good but uh that 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 uh I was nervous, but we got it, we got it contained and taken, taken into, uh, Deb Lewis took it overnight, but, um, it's, again, it's always helpful to have more than one person on those because we don't want the caller or the good Samaritan to, to help. Uh, they really can't, um, legally. And, and so if they're getting closer hands on that, that puts us, uh, we're breaking our, our contracts. um, um, and it's, you know, they might be just wanting to help or uh, put something over the, you know, we, we always want to cover the patient's face. And so if they see us struggling to do that, might, they might reach a hand in to try and help. And it only takes a second for a bird like that to to really injure someone with its face, with its talons, um, especially those herons, right? I mean, yeah.
0: what kind of advice do you have for people who, like a good Samaritan, who of course, to call you is probably the best thing to do, or call call a service. But in the meantime, what should they be doing? What do you advise?
1: Right. I mean, first we we do tell everyone to, to try Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife and Portland Audubon first, um, as it's best if they if they use us as a last resource. But if they call us, we we'll talk them through that absolutely and make sure we have permissions to go. Um, but, you know, sort of the number one thing, and you can find it on Portland Audubon's website, uh, sort of the do and do nots. And, you know, you don't ever want to give an animal food or water. Uh, you might think it's helpful. It looks like it's struggling. But giving it food or water is, is, is never recommended. Um, you, we really leave everything to the professionals. If it's a small, like a songbird, and, and you feel safe, Uh, You can pick it up with a small towel, put it in a a quiet, dark box, um, and just leave it in a quiet space. Um, But you have to be careful, especially uh, in fledgling season. You know, you might see a bird sitting outside not able to fly even for days or weeks, but it, it, it might just be a healthy fledgling with the parents nearby. So before you touch it or engage at all, I would call and make sure that that's what you're supposed to be doing. And, of course, never go into traffic. Um, just just really think about it before you act. Um, and when, you know, we get ducklings and drains, those kinds of calls all the time, it's really dangerous to go in any sort of underground or subgrade area. You don't know what kind of gases are down there, and people can get really hurt. Um, and especially if you're by yourself and no one can call for help. So before you go anywhere or touch or do anything, just just call and make sure make sure you're you're doing it safely and that you're even supposed to be touching it.
0: Great advice. We're talking with Virginia Borden with On Call Community Rescue for Animals. Uh, You guys have a fundraiser going on right now. Let's talk about the Great Pumpkin Drive.
1: Yeah. Uh, So this is sort of our one big fundraiser of the year. Um, it's And this is our seventh year of doing it, but it's only our second year making it a, an actual fundraiser. So the Great Pumpkin Drive uh, is uh, a, uh, an event where we support four different local sanctuaries, farm sanctuaries, and we collect pumpkins. We're, we're collecting as of now until people stop bringing them. We get most of them after Halloween, but So many people have tons of pumpkins, and they don't know what to do with them, um, especially after Halloween. It's totally fine if they're carved. Uh, We don't want pumpkins with a bunch of paint on them or, you know, bedazzled, anything like that that could hurt the animal. But you can bring in your carved pumpkins, your giant zucchinis. Um, We collect at two different places. There's a drop-off in Portland and one in Oregon City. Uh, And then our volunteers drive those pumpkins out. To uh, the four different sanctuaries that we're supporting this year, and all those farm animals love pumpkins. They it's it's a perfect a perfect way to not just have to trash the pumpkins on your on your porch. So last year we got about a thousand, I think. Um, we are hoping to get even more this year. Uh, we also have pumpkin drive shirts on bonfire that we sell. Any any funds raised. Uh, are being split between the four sanctuaries and okra. So, and those sanctuaries are out to pasture, which is an Estacada, uh, Rewild Farm Sanctuary, which is actually up in Kingston, Washington, they just moved, but they have volunteers that drive those pumpkins up for them. Um, Wildlings uh, wildlings, uh, Sanctuary um, in Portland and uh, Wildwood Sanctuary and Preserve, they are, Oh Gosh, what's the name of the town? New- Newburg, Newburg. Um, and so they all have cows, chickens, ducks, turkeys. I mean, any any farm animal you can think of loves pumpkin. So um, we are, we just a lot of what Okra does. We want to support other places. Sure, we need donations. Uh, we we always need to buy safety gear, and we have big dreams for Okra. But there's a lot of other people doing a lot a lot every day. Um, And we are taking animals to some place. And so we want to support those places too. Um, And so this will help us sort of show those sanctuaries some love and also feed their animals. Um, And there's a bunch of ways to donate. You can uh, donate through Facebook, Instagram, Venmo, via our website. Um, And again, all those shirt sales, everything gets split five ways.
0: I have a neighbor, and I hope they're listening. They have about 30 pumpkins on their front porch that yes. they should donate to you.
1: We would like to have those pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, and we, there are several people that have uh, been uh, following the pumpkin drive for years, and they will collect from the neighborhood. So they do local next door posts um, and go out and collect around their neighborhood. And then when they come and drop off their pumpkins, they've got you know a truckload. And yeah. so it's really exciting. Uh, one of the drop-off locations is here in Oregon City that we call it Oprah Headquarters. It's it's our home and we have a small rescue farm here as well. So, I, of course, I give our animals some of those pumpkins too. Um, but it's really exciting to come home and just see the tent just overflowing with orange. Um, and then the, the drop-off location in Portland um, out to Pasture Sanctuary, they do the pickups there. So either place you're bringing them, Um, They're going, they're going to the farm animals. Um, And then, you know, if you live by a pumpkin patch or, you know, and a grocery store, maybe just pop in and ask, Hey, can we take your leftover pumpkins after Halloween? A lot of the local stores, if there's any left, they want them gone. So we get some that way as well. Um, We get some from a few of the um, uh, nurseries around town that have their leftovers. So, it's gotten it's been really exciting the last few years we just get more and more and uh hey, we've got more volunteers that that's that's an easy one. A pumpkin delivery is a lot easier than uh, you know an injured red tail hawk, so yeah.
0: <laughs> we have just a moment here, but I want you to tell us where we can get more information. What's the website again and all that yeah, stuff. the
1: website is OCCRAPDX.org, not dot com dot org uh, and you can. Click on the Great Pumpkin Drive uh, in the menu bar, and it'll give you all the drop-off details, the address, how to donate, the bonfire link for our shirts, um, and you can always reach out to us, too. We answer messages through social media or on our website, so we would we would be happy to talk to you about if you want to volunteer, if you want to bring pumpkins, however you can get involved.
0: Excellent. You guys do such great work, and it's always so fun to talk to you. Thanks for, again for being on the show.
1: Thanks, Gary. Good to talk to you too. We appreciate the
0: support. We've been talking today with Virginia Borden, president of On Call Community Rescue for Animals. Thanks again. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just search for Let's Talk Portland on the Odyssey app. Let's Talk Portland is an Odyssey Portland public affairs program. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.